Hi, this is Jenny from Bad Cop, Bad Cop, and you are listening to the Miserable Failure Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Let's do this one more time together. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Miserable Failure Podcast, and I am your host, Michael Krusty. Thank you for tuning in. Episode 64. Holy crap, 64 episodes. That is amazing. On this episode, I have Jenny from Bad Cop, Bad Cop, and uh, we hang out and we chat a bunch, and it is a fantastic time. I got to say, I recorded this episode uh, in the summer sometime. So, uh, yeah, I think we talk, we might talk about the weather or something like that. And it's beautiful and sunny and Cali, but it's, it's not here either way. Just keep that in mind. Uh, yeah, I play a couple of tunes. They're all, uh, Jenny tunes and I'm going to start it off with the song Mirage. So here is bad cop, bad cop. Enjoy. Jenny, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm doing I'm doing fantastic. We're acting like we haven't done this already for the <laughs> intro, but yes, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How's uh how's the California weather? Is it like beautiful summer weather already there? It is. I live in a place that kind of always has beautiful weather, so there's all these like reports about hot record high temperatures and then like I looked at the map cuz I was like it's seems okay and there's like a little pocket cut out where I live and so yeah I live in Huntington Beach which is a beautiful climate but it has like a we have like a terrible reputation for like a a a hot spot for like proud boys they all come down and demonstrate it's disgusting yeah so I don't go out but the weather's nice I don't listen to the misfits from the 90s anymore because of uh Michael Graves and his bullshit I know yeah that's uh 
I feel like when I, when you invited me to do this podcast and I went to check it out, I listened yeah. to Valerie's episode and you guys were discussing this <laughs> yeah. exact issue. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even want to say his name, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's crap. I've never been to Huntington beach. Uh, I recognize the name, I think from probably like a movie or something. I, I, it's like on the tip of my tongue, tip of my tongue. Um, it's famous for surfing and kind of action sports culture. It's like less so now, but they're, it's called Surf City, depending on who you ask. <laughs> depending um, on who you ask. Yeah. <laughs> You're born in Iowa, but kind of you moved around a lot and then you didn't settle in California until you're like late teens or whatever. Is that, is that right? Yeah. I was funny. It's like all I, all that happened there was that I was born. Um, but it's like birth certificates are like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you were a potato in this town for two months and therefore, so yes, I was born there. Um, Homo Slipknot. Homo <laughs> Slipknot. Yeah. They're from Iowa. They're from uh, Des Moines, Iowa. All right. I'll start touting that fun fact. The next yeah. Time there you go. <laughs> yeah. I've lived in, I've lived in California for most of my autonomous and conscious adult life, but I still kind of don't feel like I'm from here. You know what I mean? Does anyone that lives in California feel like they're from there? No, which is funny. Yeah. Natives are sort of hard to find, especially because it's like such a hot real estate market. So it's like, did you used to live here? Well, we're pricing you out, you know? So when did you start playing guitar? I, I mean, I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you. <laughs> Do you know, Jenny? When I was like a in middle school, I was like a angsty preteen and that was a coping <laughs> Weren't we all? That, yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes I meet like well-adjusted teenagers and preteens and I'm just like, wow. Yeah. It's so what? weird. Yeah. You're like, it's, you got the get out of jail free and like all like multiple center bingo squares by like not wasting your time being such a jackass. For me growing up, it was like a uh, uh, grunge era and just like loud angry music mm -hmm. but like maybe those teenagers that you're meeting now like they're listening to like Harry Styles and it's oh, like yeah. it's not angry you know it's like happy people dancing on TikTok maybe that's gonna make them happier I don't know it's a completely different world but I just thought that being full of angst was part of the deal but it, it I've learned obviously and by talking to other people and meeting young people that it isn't true <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I learned I learned the word anxiety from a, a Green Day song. It was like burnout or like one of those songs where, where Billy Joe's singing about anxiety. And I was just like, what is that word? I have to like look it up in the dictionary and be like, oh yeah, that's me. Yeah, it's one of those tricky words where you think it means one thing and then it continues to develop like an infinite Polaroid picture. And you're like, oh, also this and this and this. So. Do you have anxiety like or is that something you're you're afraid of? No, I think that's one of those things that I was like, I'm fine. I, you know, I'm I'm brave and interested and connected. Not that you are not if you have anxiety, but I just didn't I didn't think I had it. And then I, the more I learned about myself during a I had like a like a self-awakening kind of period that began several years ago and it was like oh yeah this is anxiety <laughs> like you know, you know and possibly some attention order you know issues but um I'm not like diagnosed or taking any neither am I I think I had that like epiphany like only like five years ago right this you know is like when we, late 30s lexicon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm just like oh that's anxiety and oh okay that makes a lot totally. of sense oh my gosh I, yeah <laughs> Yeah, I hate the I job I have. I'm, uh, I hate the relationship I'm in. I wonder why I'm anxious. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I better, huh. You know, to tie that into your music, I feel like the song Mirage, that's the song you wrote. It's like an awakening. Mm -hmm. Would you say it's awakening? That's what I get from it. Definitely. Yeah. It, and what's funny is it's like a lesson that I needed to learn and I still need to learn it almost every day. I'm like, you've already covered this <laughs> and processed it with creative expression. Like, when are you going to remember? Constantly learning my yeah. entire life, just constantly learning. The lyric is there is no destination. There is only the ride. Do you remember writing that or like how you came up with that? It's so deep. 
but it, and it's just it's just like so touching so i'm like sure oh. for me i can only speak for myself but i'm sure a lot of fans like hear that and they're like yeah but like do you remember writing that those lyrics or or how you came up with those lyrics first of all thank you that is a song that i you are a musician so you also probably understand the way that some songs come to you. Yeah, they just come to you. Like you can be at the grocery store or in the drive-thru and then it's like all you can think about until you get it (laughs) out and you record it or yes. So is that how that happened? It More so, which is unusual because I'm sort of like an agonizing and in many ways it like I, I can be avoidant with songwriting when I know like there's, I will, it's like gardening and if you like, tend and plant seeds and go back and check on them and like make sure you foster these little ideas and like they will grow into something not if you leave them alone which is what I'm sort of guilty of doing um lately but I that one was like an actual dream that I had and it was so visual and strange like most of my dreams tend to be like a pretty transparent like pastiche of like things I'm worried about things I experienced things I saw you know what I mean like just turned into a little garbage collage that can be like sometimes pretty easy to like parse but that one was very different because it was like imagery and locations that I had not been to my sleeping brain creates dreamscapes out of things and sometimes I'm like, that's a great place. I should wake up and <laughs> remember where this is and like use it in artwork or whatever. But, and some of the visual I tried to impart in the cover art for mm-hmm. the ride. Yes. Also, um, But yeah, that was just like a, it was an anxiety dream that kind of, I think was my subconscious trying to like shake me out of basically sleepwalking and missing point (laughs) it's like a higher power just making you like here yeah this yeah this is what you focus on there have been other times in my life where like I know I'm like kind of miserable in a situation that I will at the same time know that it's like hey wake up and enjoy this like yeah it's miserable in these ways but like also this is cool and you should snap out of it and like you know you might in a decade or two look back at this and not even remember being suffering. You know what I mean? Just you would only remember the benefits of it. You only remember the good parts. Do you you find yourself like enjoying yourself in the moment or is it more like, like when you're on tour, is it like, Oh, okay. We got to unload. We got to, you know, we got to set up for sound check. Then we got to We got to go and we got to get food as fast as we can. Then we got to come back, meet some people, sell merch, play the show, get on, you know, go to the hotel, do it again next day. Or are you just like, I just want to enjoy this. This is so much fun. Sound checking, play with my, you know, my, my sisters. Yeah. I wish it was the, I wish it was B, but I think this, you know, trying to figure out why it's so difficult for me to tour is kind of what led me to identify like, Oh, you have some anxiety issues. You know, it makes everything kind of more difficult, but and I'll catch myself. I think that's the thing about self-awareness is like, I'm not medicated. Like I said, I'm just kind of like, all right, so you know this about yourself, like try to watch out for that. But I still kind of bang my head on things, you know, when I don't have the amount of rest or whatever to like be mindful of my own shit. So yeah, I am not, I wish I were, cause I'm surrounded by people that love it and are like just having a kick-ass time. And I'm just kind of like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm noticing that I'm getting really cranky because I haven't exercised in three days and I've yes. been eating nothing but sodium and I need a nap. <laughs> yeah. It's the same thing with me. I, I'm also not medicated, but I definitely have anxiety constantly. And I think that's where my nickname crusty came from. However long ago it was because like, you know, if I, start getting anxious and I don't think about it. And then it starts coming out. Like I'm like, I'm getting hungry and people are like, you're getting, you're hangry. Like you're just saying you're very crusty. And it's because of that. Oh, okay. I have embraced it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm trying to embrace it. I feel like self-examination can only, I mean, there are limitations to that, but it's like, at least I know, and I can like apologize or give a heads up or mind myself. 
it's not like a complete solution, but it is, it's like, we're living with this. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Especially in, in like the bands, like, yes, we're in a band. Uh, we're basically a family, but we're also a business and you'll have to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing is like, you're so up in each other's shit that like, you know, whether or not anyone is complaining out loud about something, which I feel like is kind of, to me, like, it seems funny that like, I'm, I apologize for myself a lot and like try to give warnings for like, I am feeling this way about this. And like, just to like set up like a flag or like a cone, you know what I mean? Where it's yeah, like, yeah. I'm feeling this way and therefore I might be a little bit difficult about it. And like, I feel like I'm sort of alone in that. <laughs> but at least you're telling people because so it's like, then it sort of becomes this like, yeah, you're the pain in the ass. And it's like, well, I'm not the only pain in the ass. I'm just like the self-aware pain in the ass. <laughs> I don't they think you're the pain in the ass. Oh, I would bet you several dollars otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Do you feel like a lot of creative people have anxiety? Oh, yeah. It's pretty like, it, it's like just hand in hand. Yeah, I think, I, I think it comes with, well, okay. So I think a lot of sensitive people make good creators because they are observing and interpreting information at like a finer kind of grain than many other people. And so therefore you end up with like, when there's a movie that has a color palette, you know what I mean? And everything's perfect. Like we feel that and like, as consumers appreciate it, but like, I'm sure that the person who made all those calls was probably considered a pain in the ass and is sensitive, you know what I mean? On a higher, like more sensitive. Um, but that's not to say that like people that are not anxious or highly sensitive are not fantastic creators. Like my partner is very easygoing (laughs) and he's very creative, you know, he's like, which is like, I kind of, I see it. Like he's very free with like artwork and like he, like there's no fear or like that kind of barrier we give ourselves when you're like being anxious about your creative abilities or whatever. And like, yeah, there's no right or wrong way to be creative, but I do know it can be helpful in this context and not so much in almost any other. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, you you get a lot, you get to be as creative as you want and you take in all these different things, but at the same time, it's hard to focus on all those things, especially when you're just like, yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do. Ah! Uh Uh-huh. I definitely saying yes to too many things because to be honest, it all does sound fun to me is like a a lesson that's I'm sort of late in life coming to terms with. So I have to change the answer to like, yes, I would love to do that, but I probably won't. I feel like you have, you have a lot on your plate just between like the band and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you guys are writing stuff as well. And then you have the cake thing that you do you have like whole cake business plus you you also you draw and you paint as well yeah it's too I've given myself maybe too many jobs or (laughs) yeah so and I'm trying to be easy on myself and like just accept the fact that they can't all happen at the same time so the baking business has definitely taken center stage for me and pushed at least freelance artwork aside in a way that like, I'm, I'm comfortable with that because I feel like I was making just kind of whatever anybody wanted. And that's very like, like imagine having a restaurant where people just walk in and tell you what they like, you know what I mean? And the grocery bill for that is like bananas, you know what I mean? Not literally bananas, but it's like, oh, we need <laughs> bread and we also need like meat yeah. and then also egg substitutes and like, you know, what the fuck? Like, so I feel like, the cake business right now has allowed me to like at least narrow some of that down. And, you know, like even the pricing of things when you do really random, whatever anybody needs is like you waste, I waste brain power trying to even calculate that. And like, yeah, I'm kind of comfortable with everything else sort of cooling it at the moment so that I can foster this thing that is paying bills and making me happy. how many cakes are you making like in a week well it depends like we when I'm gone and I don't post anything to social media there there is no business 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it dries up and it makes me very afraid that it will never come back. That's um, how I feel about music videos that I right? make. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It responds to whatever attention you give it. And then when things are going smoothly, it's like whatever, as many as I can fit in storage safely, which is like, I am limited by owning like one and a half refrigerators and um, it's just me. So there's also like limitations on time. And, but when there's a groove, I'd say it's like, I could do up to three a day. Holy. Um, And there tends to be like heavier traffic days are usually like, you know, Wednesday through Sunday. Yeah. What kind of music do you listen to when you bake? I mostly listen to books and um, okay. podcasts. Um, this podcast, obviously. Yeah. Keep, this okay. podcast, yeah. <laughs> for example. Um, yeah. And then, but I also, music's tricky because like, I know I'm in a punk rock band, but like I mostly don't listen to that anymore. I definitely did when I was like a teenager, you know, but I think... <laughs> Not to sound like a total mess, but I'm usually trying to like stay focused and stay calm. And like, so sometimes uh, I really like non-English words or like if things are kind of mellower, like I, I got one of those Spotify breakdowns where they show you in like a word cloud. Here's what you listened to. Oh yeah. And like, I was like, what the fuck is this? I didn't even know, (laughs) but I apparently really love like alt country which I was like that doesn't sound like me but like I think I like this guy named Dan Reeder I learned about him and he like makes a lot of his own instruments it's he's got a really weird sound and I like I like when people make something weird um pretty much all the time I want to hear that and it's like a strange production value and like learning that he makes his own instruments kind of was a big click for me. I was like, oh yeah, okay. Also, anytime I'm listening to like an interview with a creative person and they mention music, I'll check it out. <laughs> I definitely feel that way too. I'll, I'll like, I'll write it down and be like, okay, I'm going to check it out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I do and I don't, but um, this author, I didn't even get to hear who it was. They were on the radio and talking about some book and they were mentioning like a band that I definitely would not have found via an algorithm or by anybody I know, but it's called Bonnie Light Horseman. And it's like a little bit like, I'm sure they play Coachella and stuff like that. But I was like, I do like watery tremolo based country kind of guitar. <laughs> so, so, and there's a lot of that. I'm trying and to then, picture that watery yeah, tremolo well, based some stuff and you might hate it, but um, I might, yeah. I might love it. You know, you never know. I might, might hate it. Might love it. I like yeah. a lot of music, so. And then I like, other than that, I like uh, almost every Australian band I've ever heard. Actually, the shirt I'm wearing right now, Violence Oh, that they are Australian. I'll check it out. <laughs> but they're they're like uh, uh, grungy. Perfect. Okay, I like that. Yeah, I really like anything kind of in the lane of. They're not Australian, but like the Oblivions and like the the Goner Goner record scene. Like I like garage stuff something where you can kind of hear the vocals less and then I can think while I'm doing things like because with baking you're measuring and doing math and you can't forget something or else it's not going to work that's how I feel when I'm like um editing photos or or on my computer I can't listen to a podcast because I'll like blink and 10 minutes will go by and I'm like I don't even know what they're talking about anymore so I have to listen to like I'll put music on and just like have it in the background and not pay attention. Yeah, it's true. It's kind of like knowing that is one of the things that I think makes tour so crazy is because there's like constantly someone else's fucking music just like so loud. And it's like, I cannot get anything done while that is happening. Cause I'm either thinking like, God, this is the worst. What the (laughs) fuck is this? You know what I mean? Or like, you know, like I, uh, the joke in the band, it's not a joke, but I hate Alice in Chains. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, All right. I just keep Your least favorite of the Chains. Seattle bands. Oh, God. Wow. I, I hate it. I'm not saying it's bad music, but like, I literally, when I die and go to hell, that's going to be on like a tight loop with like a couple of, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. No offense to anybody else. No. Yeah. It, that's hilarious. <laughs> it, they're definitely like, very slow and sludgy, sludgy. And I've, I've shot them a couple times live and it's like, 
it's like hit or miss like and that just that vocal styling of like kind of like a cat (laughs) you know what I mean like I just can't do it but yeah I don't like to talk shit so I just, I <laughs> not, not talking shit at all. Okay. Uh, in the uh, the Anti Queens tour van that we have, there's no CD player or anything like that, so it's just AM radio. <laughs> so we don't have that problem of uh, fighting over music. We just we just don't turn it on. It's so weird. There's sometimes where it's just quiet. It's quiet. Well, we we had this tour manager a few times. He's like super professional. His name is Ben Davis. He's way out of our league, but we like it, working with him was like one of those opportunities where we all just like learned a lot, you know, because he runs an extremely tight ship. And he is like very practical about everything, which is like what you want in a tour manager. And he was like, we like get in the van and somebody starts like pushing buttons and like cranking it. And he's like, no, you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to figure out where we're going. I need to like be able to take phone calls. And I was like, the only person that wasn't like, you know, fun. You know what I mean? I was like, I know what you're saying. Like, <laughs> if I'm driving and I don't know where I'm going and like there's tons of noise going on, like, I'm oh. just like, we need to build. Yeah. And this has to stop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I was driving through the mountains uh, in BC and it was like, it was nighttime. There was like fires everywhere. So there was smoke. It was raining. It was snowing. Uh-uh. Uh, it was pitch black. <laughs> and I'm, I, I'm like yeah. white knuckling it, like staring into nothingness. And, and all, all the girls are in the back talking about all the accidents they had. I'm just like, I'm just like, you guys have to shut up. I'm like freaking out. It was horrible. It was terrible. And then they all focused. They're like, okay. Cause they, I think they were just all nervous too. We were just like driving yeah. through the mountains. Like, Oh, we have an hour still. Yeah. Scary drives. Yeah. Worse. Definitely. We got told to shut up by another good driver of ours. He was like doing switchbacks in the Alps. And something was going on and we were just like talking shit or something. It was like not even productive conversation. And he was like very gently, just like, ladies, like, <laughs> I really <up>. don't. <laughs> you know. That's funny. Yeah.
And we're back. Yeah. Something, sorry, that reminded me of that. And we're back always reminds me of like proper commercial radio stuff. And I wanted to tell you and Valerie that after listening to her episode, well, five seconds into it, I was like, Valerie could be like a world famous DJ voice. Like he has to do voiceover. She I'll has, tell her that. Oh my God. I was like, this is crazy. Like this is an amazing voice that could be good for anything. Like she could be doing radio hosting or like advertising. Like, you know what I mean? Like major commercial yeah. shit, like T-Mobile. Like you know? <laughs> <laughs> she should, like, that's a good idea. I mean, that would be good money actually. She should. That was, she just has like the voice of like, the, you, this girl is cool. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even need to see her. I know she's cool. Like, you know? <laughs> like I'll tell her that. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a good idea. Uh, I don't even know which episode you listen to. I think there's a couple with her on it. Was it the one where you were just talking about like bands we liked or something? Was it that was, one? You you made like a little mixtape kind of together. I think you were like talking about influential songs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Was Bad Cop on there? I don't remember. <laughs> no, but it's okay. It was, I was a fishing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, let's talk about your band a little bit more. How did you meet Stacy and, and Mira? Yeah, Myra. Myra, yeah. sorry. No, sorry, it's, Myra. It's okay. It's kind of a joke in our lives. Like we, hilariously, all right, I'll just tell you the whole story. So um, I was in a band with my best friend, Sarah Lyons, that was never meant to be as wild and productive as it was called Cuntsbarer. Um, and it was, we were covering Cox bar on like toy instruments and like an acoustic guitar. And it was like very polarizing for people. Either they really liked it or you got a lot of like mean messages from angry skinheads who thought you should not be disgracing their favorite band. <laughs> but everyone has been cool in the Cox bar camp <laughs> about <laughs> it. And we got to go on free vacations and like do things for free and like just have a kick-ass time, you know, in your late twenties with your best friend, because we were doing what we were doing with the instruments we were doing them with. We got put on a lot of like really fun shows. So, and they have their own lanes. Like one lane was that we got to like open for like legends who are now doing something acoustic or do like these weird heavily themed bizarro cover band shows and then also we met like so many women there's like a secret underground river of women or not non-male identifying musicians and when you find it it's like this thriving culture all its own and like you everybody just there's like a lot of queer people and like the age range is like really wild like I feel that I, sometimes I'm like, you don't know any queer people when I meet people that are like, and then I'm like, oh, you weren't in a lady band. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so you don't know like this contingency that I know or anyway. So we were on a show with Stacy and her first musical life partner, little Jen Carlson. They had a band called the Angry Amputees that was renowned and on a Tony Hawk game. They had like several bands since then they were from like the Bay area and Jen usually played drums, but she, yeah. So when, so Stacy was living in San Francisco and had this band with Jen Carlson as the drummer. And they had several bands after that, mostly based in San Francisco. And then they both kind of wound up down in LA and Jen actually lives in Huntington. Also, they were doing like this really amazing acoustic act with Jen and Stacy. And then this woman named Char Pack who is a famous like kind of goth shoe designer now, but she was like, she had like an independent fashion label and she shreds piano, super pro. So, and she's like, loves her job. So it's kind of like this crazy secret. So we, we get on this show and you kind of, we never knew what we were walking into. So we, unless we knew some of the bands, but it was like, so that was just like playing at this place called the Redwood, which like very famously has had a lot of like, our friends and musical cohorts are like work there as bartender, like gin pop. And so we're, we're playing this show and Stacy 
with her fucking voice, you know, the who is that voice? And like Jen just played everything. They, they were playing these crazy covers and like way too competently to be like playing for kind of no one. And then Char on the piano, it was just like, who the fuck are these girls? You know? <laughs> So we're like talking to Jen. She's very social. She's, she is a a connector, a true connector. We make friends with Jen and uh, we played with them, you know, a few times after that. But then later Jen was like, oh, you live near me? Let's hang out. We're talking. And she was like, do you ever play electric guitar? And I said, yeah, I can play electric guitar. You know, (laughs) and she invited me to the second bad cop practice where she and Stacy had met Myra at a party in San Francisco hosted by this wonderful, amazing, talented woman named Krista DiBiase, who has always got a cool band and is just a goddess. So she connected them and Jen was like, oh, I want to try not playing drums. And here's this girl, Myra, who like has been playing drums for 20 years. And so she's probably good. And, <laughs> you know, so then it was... Myra and Stacy on guitar and Jen on bass and I was on guitar and we were practicing at this place called Coos, which was run by a fellow named Don, who is a hell of a character. And he still does not know how to say Myra's name, which is where <laughs> I'm going back on that. So he'll call her Mira, Mara, <laughs> Mara, but it's Myra. And, uh, and then yeah, it was good. It was like a good first date. We like, cause Stacey writes and I wrote and Jen wrote. And so we like played like six pretty good songs at the first go, which is nuts for band practice. And then we were getting busier and like taking it more seriously. And Jen was going through some stuff and she just kind of was like not feeling it and started saying like, well, if you guys want to do anything and I can't make it just like have somebody sit in. And then that we were like, that's a weird thing to say we think as monogamous band members, you know, and then, um, she ended up being like, there's this girl, Lynn. (laughs) Oh, perfect. (laughs) And her successor. Yeah. Weirdly, uh, Lynn and Jen and I jammed in Jen's garage a couple times before Lynn was like put forward as like, this will be my replacement. Um, and we worked out the song rodeo, which is on, one of our earlier EPs, which I think nobody remembers in the band except for Lynn and I, which is like, well, you <laughs> and I both know that that happened in Jen's garage. It's on um, Boss Lady. Yeah, yeah. So we did that. And then it was like, yeah, Jen kind of, you know, I get it. Sometimes it's like, I don't need another basically like mouth to feed, <laughs> you know? Well, like, yeah, I mean, good on her for but, recognizing that she she didn't think she could do it or she was too busy to do it or, yeah. and she spoke up about it instead of dragging you guys through the mud. Cause I've definitely been in that too. In that well, situation in bands, mud, right? I'll be honest. Oh, it's just okay. that we, we love each other and have talked about it. And like, obviously like time heals most wounds. And also it's like, I think there's like a mutual respect that's like, you know, sometimes you have a blowout with somebody and it's like, I don't need to revisit this. I'm <laughs> like, I just never want to see you. Um, but this was like, you know, she was important to me in my life. And I feel maybe that it's mutual. And anyway, she just recently recorded her own stuff and invited Stacy and I to be on that. And we actually have some shows coming up acoustically that we're going to be doing with John Snodgrass and Jen's going to be on those. So it's like, I'm excited for her to make this what she wants, whatever size and shape is the best thing for her. And like, cause she is the mother of bad cop. The mother Did she named the, the band. She did. She named it. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's like a play on good cop, bad cop. Yeah. It really never at the time we did not expect it to have the bearing that it does. Like I'm comfortable with the political implications of it, but there are other members of our band that are like, well, I don't want to say I don't like the police. And it's like, well, I, you know, so we kind of like. You stay stay clear of it though, right? Like, Uh, yes and no. I mean, as if I'm making a group statement, I'll steer clear of it. But if it's my own statement, I'll say what I want to say, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. That's the funny thing. It's like, especially when like bands are getting like kind of strung up about certain things, like, well, they didn't say anything about this. So therefore, you know what I mean? And it's like, well, a band is not a monolith. 
we do not live in a house together and wear matching outfits and make all of our decisions in unison. You know what I mean? So, <sighs> yeah. Did you know how a band worked at the time when you joined the band or were you the type of musician that kind of learned everything on the go? Like, oh, we have an album coming out. You do the first one yourself. And then, you know, Fat Mike's like, hey, I want to record you guys and, and release the album. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, what is publishing? Or were you yeah. like, oh, I know what publishing is. I know how to do this. So it's, it's, was it everything on the go? You're learning as you go? I learned on the go. And I was like, at the beginning of the band, I was the youngest member by almost a decade. And I was like excited. And I had a lot of energy for this just because I was curious, you know, about how it would go. And like, I wanted to get out and see things like, you know what I mean? And like, just, I was just really curious about it. And then I also like had at that time, a lot of experience where I, for example, like as an artist, like I wanted to exhibit my work, but like, obviously nobody is going to be like, here's some young lady that we don't fucking know. And we want to offer you, you know what I mean? The opportunity. So it was like, I kind of had sharpened my edges as far as like creating opportunity for myself and like pulling things off in like a DIY way where like, you know, it was like, if I want to show my work, I will throw a show. You know what I mean? I will find a place and we will have a show and I will, you know, cleverly disguise the costs of this. And you know what I mean? Like just, and then I was like, also at the inception of Bad Cop, I was working for Hurley, kind of performing that same magic trick in various contexts where it was like, we have this space and we need to like blow up something or like draw attention to X, Y, or Z. And it was like, all right, I can throw a kick-ass party for $500. You know what I mean? Like, so, and I'll get a band and I'll get a food cart and we'll like, you know, it'll be great, you know, and it'll, well, it'll be a group show. So there'll be fucking 300 people there guaranteed. And like, you know, that kind of a thing. And like, I knew how to like, like I put out our first record and like pressed it and did all the everything for it because everybody was like, yeah, you know, you seem excited, like take care of it. Let us know when it's done. And like, (laughs) Also, I was working at Hurley and there's a recording studio there. And our friend now, my coworker at the time, Davey Warsop, who's like a wonderful engineer and musician, like he was just like, do you want Bad Cop to come in and like try a couple songs? And I was like, more than anything, like, <laughs> you know, yes, so please. Did, you know, and he, as I think as a friend, he very respectfully was like, can I like offer you some production notes or do you want to just kind of like let it rip? And I was like, no, dude, you're a pro. Like, what do you think? And he really, I, I'm grateful for that because he made us a better band. Like, you know what I mean? It was kind of like, listen, I know you think it's cute to only have the chorus happen once, but if you want people to remember this song, you got to do it <laughs> here, here, here. And like, you know, taught me something that I still kind of use and hear in other people's music where I'm like, if I may make one note. And that is like, Stacey had this great song called A Little Wild that was on our first EP that we put out. I was like, this song is so perfect. It's so good. And he was like, I have a note. And I was like, this guy's high. What would your note be? <laughs> you know what I mean? And he was like, it was about the cadence of syllables delivered. And he was like, if you sing it this way, you can sing the notes more. Versus if you sing it the way you've got it, it's like more just percussion. You know what I mean? Like there's no chance for there to be a note or a melody. And I just like, that was a good one. That was like a stayed with me note where I was like, yeah, if you can sing, then flex that muscle, you know? There's a lot of bands that like refuse to get like help from like outside sources. And it's like, oh. mm. yeah. yeah, it's hard to take the help sometimes, you know? Oh yeah. Like, but it's also like, it's probably a good idea. You're probably getting it from somebody with more experience than you. I you like, yeah, as a songwriter, it, it, it's like, well, for instance, Bad Cop, I'm assuming you write songs, Stacy writes songs, and then Lynn writes a song or two, and then you guys all get together, and it's like, here's my babies. Yeah. Don't talk shit about them or do anything. They're perfect. And then yeah. they, they get torn. And then I'm sure Fat Mike comes in the picture, too, and it just gets torn to shreds, and you're just like, my heart is broken now. Yeah. But it, it always turns out for the best. Yeah, we definitely, like, over the course of the last few recordings that we've done, we moved into this like very high production kind of alienating process where like some of it was like 
we didn't even know what the other people were writing. You know, it wasn't like we all came together and shared our stuff with each other. And then, you know what I mean? Originally, that is how it happened. And it was like, it, it was happening like on a shitty PA. Like you have no idea what anyone's saying. You're yeah, just it's the like, worst. You know, fan practice. But then this, yeah, the ride specifically was like, I mean, there were, I don't even know if there was a day that everyone was in the studio together, you know, ever, which, you know, I felt insecure about, I'm insecure during production, you know, I think it's because I'm not like a person who has like any real training with music, you know, so there's recording, recording music or just. And like writing, you know what I mean? Like if you were like, what notes are those? And I would be like, look at my hand. You don't know. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I also like, I recognize that like having done this for as long as I'm doing it and still not knowing is like maybe irresponsible, but at the same time, like the less I know the right way to do something, the more likely I am to be like open creatively. Like as an artist, there's stuff that I'm like, no, you can't do that because I yeah. would just go for it. I've been, playing music and studying music since I was like four like I started on piano and like I know like just way too much about it to the point where it literally drives me mad so I know exactly what you're saying it's like Val will be playing like this cool riff in my head I'm like why is she going to that note I I don't like that (laughs) like in the scale but and then like the you know the producer's like oh that sounds really good I like the way you went to that note instead I'm like okay yeah 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 yeah, it's it's cool. It's just like on a, on a scale level, it's weird, but it does sound cool. You're right. It, yeah. It's just like it it drives it drives me crazy sometimes. So I I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, you, it's, it's like you know all the rules and you don't want to break them. Yeah, like you, totally. right? Yeah. Like you know the rules. You're like I can't break them, but that's the whole point of art, right? It's just like there yeah. should be no rules. Well, I think art is wild like that it's not like math where it's like, there are rules. And if there are not rules, it is not math. You know what I mean? Like there, there, there can be, and there are rules within any art form, but like, it's also acceptable to break them and not know them. And I feel like that is, I guess that's what defines art. I was going to say, it's kind of like when the way some people cook, but it's like, I would call that type of cooking art. You know? Yeah. 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 So yeah. So Bad Cop kind of has like a like a Beatles thing happening. <laughs> yeah. So are you John or are you Paul? Oh, I might be George that you're, writes you're, more. You know what I mean? Like more I'm of a George, kind of, okay. Yeah, it's like, it's a weird thing because I feel like one of the great things about being in a very democratic group of people where people come from different backgrounds and are very different is for example, if we walk into a show and the sound engineer is real salty with somebody to the point where it's like, we're not going to get any work done. There's a very good chance that they will like someone in the band, even if they hate this person and that person, like you can always like, so it's kind of like, we're all, we're just very different people. And I think it, it's frustrating in some ways, but it's a boon in a lot of other ways. And like, songwriting yes it's like I will write a melody in words no problem but like I sometimes struggle with like well I didn't picture drums or like I'm not sure how to transition from this to this and it's like I know who I can talk to about that or like you know structure you know what I mean like it's kind of it's kind of cool it's like in a lot of ways it's like having um like a lane or a department <laughs> that I remember reading about how there's two kind of musicians there's a type of musician who will focus like when they're listening to a song they will focus on the lyrics and what the singer is singing and the melody but more so what they're saying and then there's musicians who will focus on all of the music and the arrangement and like the melodies and everything but not the lyrics at all and maybe that's kind of what you're referring to, or it's for like, for me, I, if you asked me to like sing a bad cop song, I'd be like, uh, I don't know any of the lyrics for any of the songs, <laughs> but like I can hop on a guitar right now and I can probably play a bunch of them, but just because I'm listening to like the guitars and the, and the drums and everything. But like, I can like, even my own band, I can't even, I can't even tell you the lyrics. I just, I, so funny. I love that because I am the other half of that. Like anytime there's like a 
a cover or a collaboration or something, it's like my stomach goes, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to like learn a song on guitar. You know what I mean? And it's like, and you're going to fuck it up and you're, you know what I mean? But it's like, if you just want me to sing, like we're good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I will get the words right. And I will sing the shit out of it. But like, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, that's very funny. The song Amputation. When you wrote that song, was there like a specific person in mind when you wrote it? Or was it just like a general feeling you had from different past relationships? That's an interesting song. I will tell you, because I think that the person it is about is would be okay with me sharing this because we've talked about it. So the funny thing about that song and being so fucking done with somebody is that it's one of a few songs I've written where people are like, you can see like when you start playing it at a show, like a couple people go off uh, to that song and you're like, all right, that person identifies with this. <laughs> like, I'm sorry for whatever that was, you know? And I remember the first time I ever played it in front of anybody was like at like a local bar, Jen Carlson again, was like, (laughs) come on down to my favorite bar and we're going to play guitars today. And my brother was visiting because he was going through like a terrible divorce. And I played that song. And like, at the end of the show, he was like, did, is that about me? And like my, and I was like, it's not, but like, it could be, you know what I mean? Like it, I'm sorry that you, I'm sorry for anybody that identifies with it because it's a terrible feeling to have. And I, I'm kind of happy to give people like a balloon to hold in that situation, you know? Um, and, and really I wrote it to kind of like, it's kind of the beginning of me phasing into a more productive and I think healthier songwriting perspective. And that is like, I used, sorry, I'm getting a little all over the place, but I used to write songs about whatever was tearing me up and was difficult to say, or I couldn't say. And then I ended up with all these kind of angry songs that are like very emotional and unrealistic. And like, I found myself repeating those songs, especially on tour and like just living in like a negative moment. And this song was like the first kind of turn towards like recognizing the fact that if I write a song and I like it and other people like it, I will have to repeat it over and over again, like a prayer or a mantra and therefore like wanting it to be an empowering experience. So there's a line in the song that's such a lie where I say like that I have thick skin, which I fucking don't, but I like, and every time I sing it, I'm like, ha ha ha, you still don't, you know, (laughs) it's like, it is this like mask that I'm wearing. Yeah. As you're talking about it, I'm all emotional because it's such a, it's such a great song. And obviously I've been through it and a lot of people have been through it, but it's like we said, I think the line is break a tooth on my thick skin. Is that right? Which I don't have thick skin. I will cry. At the drop of a hat. Exactly. And it's the same thing with me. Like, I don't have thick skin, but, but, but yeah, great song. Here's something wild is that it was written something public about our band that I think is okay to discuss is that Stacy got sober while we were a band and that the band was like part of this, the getting sober. And this song was written at the kind of like climax of us just being constantly ripped apart by her state of addiction, you know, where it was like, I don't, I can't, I'm not gonna, you know what I mean? It was like, this is crazy. You're a bomb. You know what I mean? Like, and it felt like if I stay in this, it's funny. Also recording that song, Fat Mike was like, whatever guy this is about. And I was like, not about a guy. Like it's, (laughs) A lot of my songs that I think people might think are about like romantic relationships are about difficult other interpersonal relationships. But yeah, it was kind of like I was hurt by some things that had happened and feeling like it's time for me to like just move on with my life without this person because there's only going to be more pain and destruction if I remain in proximity you know what I mean? Not thinking that there would be this like sobriety on the horizon, you know? So I think that it speaks volumes that even the producer could be like, you know, Oh, it's about this person or this person. And it, it, it can literally be about any real, it speaks volumes about your writing and how well you 
you are writing songs. I, I just, I don't mean to toot your horn so much. Oh, toot it. Toot it. Um, I've been so depressed during COVID. <laughs> oh boy. Um, Myra, you said in an interview that I was listening to a couple days ago, you said that when you met her, you were very excited and just like jealous because she had been playing in a lot of bands at the time when you were like reading about these bands and you were so jealous that she got to play with, I don't know which bands, but whatever bands they are. But now 12 years later, do you realize that you are that woman that females and males and people are looking up to you saying, I can't believe you've done so much and you've played with all these bands and toured. Have you ever thought about that? No. It's true. No, I feel like I'm like some beshelled creature, like a snail or some turtle or something. And I'm like unaware that anyone can even see me at any given moment. You know, it's like, I'm just like looking out. And then especially like not having no shows for so long and like being physically isolated and just like being like, Jesus, I'm really broke. Like, you know, it's kind of like, it's been tough and then we had you know three tours in the last few months and and every time I was like just genuinely shocked that people were there that they knew the words that they were like waiting for us you know what I mean like I can't I cannot it's like I have amnesia and I like cannot remember that anyone gives a shit about this do you ever feel do you ever feel like I'm not supposed to be here like you're high like you're faking it like huh I guess yeah do you ever feel that way yeah yeah same same Can you update us? Is there is there a new Bad Cop album in the horizon? Are you guys writing? Is there anything happening with that? I'm sorry, but I mean, we're, we're always doing something. It's just like there's no giant egg that we're sitting on. Yeah, like you haven't booked studio time yet or anything like that. No, definitely okay. not. You're still, you're still on the ride trying to promote that album. Yeah, trying to like, you know, we, we also just, we tried to tour, like I said, and a different landscape obviously that's like goes without saying from what it was and so we're kind of like re-learning and evaluating things the unknown the unknown yeah is there anything else you want to mention before we we call it i don't know thanks for reaching out and being patient with me it's nice to talk to you and do this thing and be alive on the internet yeah. Well, thank you <laughs> for giving me the time and, and, and doing this and being patient with me too, with this, uh, this zoom, zoom stuff here. I really appreciate it. Yeah. It's mutual.
That was Amputations by Bad Cop, Bad Cop. I want to give a big shout out to Jenny. Thank you so much for hanging out and all the kind words. You are just absolutely amazing. Uh, Such a great person. So thank you for hanging out. And I want to tell everybody, remind everybody really to go to crustymedia.ca if you want to check out all of the other podcast episodes. Plus we got photos and videos on there and there's even a shop so you can buy prints and t-shirts and a mug and and all that great stuff if you want to know what we're up to. I'm also on Twitch now streaming. It, it, I have no time to sleep really. But uh, yeah, crustymedia.ca and I want to give a big shout out to Steve Risen from Drive Studios for being the technical producer on this episode and all previous episodes. See ya! See ya!